Today, we start um, a journey through the the summer, through the Gospel of Luke. And uh, we're going to pick up Luke in in chapter 4. It's the the uh, in, in a sense, it's Jesus' um, installation service. Uh, it, it's it's his, like we had with Pastor Dennis a couple weeks ago, um, uh, and, and it's a place where he presents you know, his his grand plans as um, uh, his call by the Father to to, to bring salvation, um, rescue to, to the whole world, and and Jesus comes boldly at the beginning with a bold um, mission. He, he does not. I have nothing against hospice chaplains. As a matter of fact, it's a great ministry. But Jesus, at least in this passage, isn't one. He has not come just to sort of, well, let's uh, you know, deal with the pain. We'll just lower the pain and let things happen. You know, as they, he comes to bring change with a capital C. He comes to bring healing. And healing, by its very nature, is change. He, he comes to bring, to bring life where there is death. That's the huge change, life-giving change that he comes to bring. And as we'll see, it's, it's an, it takes his whole life and he invites us and welcomes us and challenges us to give him our whole life. And, and as I thought about this, it's so you know, easy to fall into the temptation you know, of keeping Jesus at, at arm's length. You know, let's just keep Jesus at a safe distance. You know, we'll, we'll play church and just show up periodically um, and be churchy in our answers. But instead, Jesus is saying, no, I'm coming to bring change to the world and change to you. He, he is not and refuses to be an add-on. To our lives, you know, he's he's not gonna going to to be just a part of us. He he wants all um, of us. And and I thought um, I was reminded of an old poem about Wilbur Reese um, that you've you've heard before. I've shared it before, but it just fits perfectly and always a good challenge as we. Really focus this summer on on Jesus, and I've, I've changed a few things here and there um, uh, to uh, adapt for our our season. It's called Five Dollars Worth of Jesus. It used to be three dollars. That was his, but inflation came. That was one of the things that I changed. Because I'd like to buy five dollars worth of Jesus, please. Not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep, but just enough to equal a a cup of warm milk or a glass of Merlot on the back patio, a snooze in the sunshine. I don't want enough of Jesus to make me love a gay man or pick beets with a Mexican. I want ecstasy. Not transformation. I want warmth of the womb. Not a new birth. I want a pound of the eternal in a paper sack. I'd like to buy five dollars worth of Jesus. Please. Let's pray. Almighty God, 
thank you for your word. Thank you for this time as we gather. Thank you for Jesus. And thank you for your spirit who is at work within us. So as we gather and we, we hear your word, help us to hear what you have for us individually and for us as a church, for us as a people. Open our eyes, expand our capacities, Lord, where we only have $5 or $10 of Jesus. We, we know what is best is to take him all, to receive him all. Expand our capacities to hear from him and to obey and, and to follow and to be transformed. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, our, our passage is in Luke chapter 4. We're going to start with verse 16, and we'll you know, read through a section of it and talk about it a little bit. Um, but what, what's happened up to this point in, in Luke is basically you, you get the Christmas story, and you get a few other things that sort of prepare him. And today is the day around age 30, Jesus is around 30, that, that now he is entering into his official ministry in fulfilling the plans and purposes. And the rest of, of Luke is about three years um, as we read through it during the summer. So we'll start with verse 16. When he, Jesus, came to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. Now, I want to stop right there, just, just at the verse 16 for a moment, and notice, it's easy to sort of read through that and, and not realize, okay, yeah, he, he is coming back home. This is the place where he grew up, and, and we're told that this is his custom. This is his habit, that he regularly gathers with the people of God to hear his word and to praise his name. Jesus, he's fully divine. He is God the Son, and He is also, in the mystery of Jesus, He is fully human. So He models for us, in our humanity, what is necessary, what are the habits, what are the the, the steps to take to follow after Him, to be transformed into His character. And Jesus, in the fullness of His humanity, regularly gathers with God's people on the Sabbath to read and hear and respond to God's Word. And my proposal here is just to say that if it's good enough for Jesus, it's probably good enough for us. You know, and this is not, I am not about saying, so you should be here every Sunday. I'm just saying you need to be somewhere regularly where you're gathering with God's people to hear God's Word for the sake of God's kingdom. You know, if it's here, great. Of course, uh, all the more the merrier. We would love all. But wherever it is, what's most important is like Jesus, our habit is to got, gather with God's people around His Word. Because Jesus needed it. And if He needed it, so do we. Because there are so many formative forces around us that want to press us into their mold. And Jesus would have been tempted by those as well. The the passage just before this one is the temptations of Jesus. 
And those temptations to be formed by the ways of the world are great and they are all around us. And But we as God's people, like I said, Jesus is not an add-on. We want to be formed by Jesus. We want to be formed more and more into Christ-likeness. And so it's important for us to regularly gather with God's people around God's Word to share our lives and to praise His name. We don't want to be formed by the shopping mall. We don't want to be formed by the American dream. We don't want to be formed by the boardroom or the sports field or the classroom. We want to be formed by Jesus. So that's why we gather like he did in his fully human form. We gather with one another in his word. And so this summer... As we're reading through Luke, you'll see it both in your hot off the press and on your way out. You'll get a card reminding you. We, we've broken Luke down into little pieces, um, five readings a week. See, there's grace even there. You know, if you forget one, you've got Saturday and Sunday to catch up. And you, people in the, in the, of, in the congregation, have written... Um, devotions that go with each of those passages and and a a discussion question either to discuss with the Spirit or discuss around the breakfast table or discuss in small groups, whatever it might be, and then time of prayer. But so that daily we are gathering through reading the the Gospel of Luke and reading that um, together. And again, you can go to the church website, chpc.org, and then you can see the place for learning from Jesus today. And starting tomorrow, we'll have the first reading and first devotion. And then at the end of it, you can make comments. You you can make your comments in there and just uh, um, engage with one another using the means of the day around what you heard. What did you learn from Jesus today? What, What... really caught your eye, really resonated with your spirit. So it gives us opportunity to do that throughout June, July, and August, no matter where you are. Um, uh, I know folks are going. So if, you, you, if you've got a smartphone access to the web, then you can jump onto that. But you'll see that on your way out. Ways that we need to do the same thing Jesus did so that we're formed by the will of God. We are intentional about being formed, forming our very desires, our, des- our, our very wants, according to, to God's wants, and not the wants of the world or our own. All right, all right, so now 17. Let's uh, pick up uh, there. Um, we're told that Jesus, then he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To let the oppressed go free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is not this Joseph's son? 
All right, let's just take a little bit of a look, camp out in what, what Jesus said. This, here's his mission. He, he goes back to Isaiah, and here Jesus, at, at his installation service, is saying, this is the very purpose, the reason that God has sent me to you. He has sent Jesus as one of us to enter into the fullness of our mess and bring healing. I mean, look, look at the ones that Jesus came to. The poor, the captives, the blind, and the oppressed. You know, if you can relate to that, if you say, yes, I am poor, and this is how I am poor, this is how I am captive, this is how I am blind, this is how I am oppressed, then praise the Lord. This is good news. Jesus came for you. He came for us all who are in this place. It's poor and captive, and blind, and oppressed. Now, when Jesus said it, there's an element of it being literal. It's for the poor. He came for people that couldn't buy food, who couldn't buy a place to lay their head at night. He came for them to bring them good news because in their lives, they didn't have any good news. They were the ones that were ostracized, not included Cursed even. And Jesus is saying, I've come to bring you good news. Maybe your poverty is a little different than the, the literal people Jesus was talking to. Maybe it's you're, you're, you have a poverty of humility. Or a poverty of generosity. Or a poverty of bravery. Or a poverty of some other resource. And Jesus said, I've come to bring you good news. I've come for you to enter into that and bring you good news. Whatever your poverty might be. He came literally to those that were captive, to those that were imprisoned. Whatever it might have been that they were behind bars or they were slaves, unable to be released. Again, those that are ostracized, those that are on the outside. Maybe for you it's captive to alcohol or to money or to pornography or to social media or to fame or food or achievement. Maybe you're captive to pleasure or convenience popularity maybe you're captive to control or safety or, or maybe you're you're captive to adrenaline jesus came for you he came to release you from that captivity of something else that may be your god something else that controls you he's come to release you from that came to give sight to the blind, and he literally did. As we read other stories, he came to folks, again, you notice in this, you know, the folks that are poor, the captive, blind, they're, they're folks that are ostracized, they're folks on the outside, and the blind were, again, seen as cursed. And Jesus said, I've come to give you sight so that you are part of the in crowd now. 
in his blindness. I think it's, he's talking about any physical limitation, any illness, whether physical or mental, that limits your abilities, whatever it might be that limits you. Physic- Jesus is saying, I've come to give you healing in the midst of that, that makes you, whatever the world might say, not normal. I've come, Jesus says, boldly. I've come to give sight to the blind. And then finally, he said, I've come to bring freedom, release to the oppressed. Those that were oppressed by whatever system was in place that kept them down, that made them less than human. Whether they were oppressed by the man, they were uh, oppressed whatever system it might be, they were oppressed by whatever ism it could be, racism or sexism or workaholism or ethnocentrism. You pick your choice. What are the isms that push on you that you feel they make you less than fully human and loved by God? Maybe it's competition that oppresses you. Or maybe it's that you were abandoned or forgotten or unloved or unforgiven. And someone, whether they know it or not, has their hand on your soul. Jesus says, I've come. And he says it boldly. I've been anointed by the Spirit to come and release you from that oppression. And that's good news. It's also a challenge because on the other side, being poor or uh, captive or blind or oppressed is now no longer an excuse to hide behind. It's no longer something to put up and say, you know, I can't because of this. That's why Jesus came. The point here is to invite Jesus in. See, Jesus didn't come to play games. He didn't come just to to paint a nice smiley face on us. Jesus came boldly to enter into the poverty, the captivity, the blindness and oppression of your soul and my soul. That's what he wants to enter into. That's the bold statement that he has come to bring healing to us in the depth of our being, not just to paint a smiley face on us and leave that captivity and poverty, and blindness, and oppression within us. That's the journey that Jesus is inviting us to. That's the journey of His mission. That's the good news that He comes to bring. So that's what it means, then, as we encounter Him, you know, as we're reading in, in the gospel, as we're, we're reading about Jesus and what he teaches and what he says, there, there's going to be places that you are going to cry like a child. And that's good. That's good. He can stay. He's a good illustration. There, there's going to be places where, where Jesus enters in and, and he enters into the mess. He enters into the brokenness so that he can bring healing. 
You realize this too, as you're reading through Luke, notice what happens almost every time Jesus goes to church, a fight breaks out. They, they get in a fight with him. Yeah, and, and that's what's going to happen. So, so this is good news. As you're reading through Luke, and there are times you get defensive or you get angry with Jesus, that's a good thing because that means Jesus is getting into your soul and he, where, where he wants to bring healing. So don't be scared of that. Let him in on this journey of healing. That's a bold mission. I know it's crazy to say, I'm going to give sight to the blind. I'm going to release people from oppression of this unjust world and broken, sinful world. But that's the bold mission that Jesus is saying he was sent for. For you, for me, for us. So that we're not formed by the world, but that we're formed by Jesus. And we are sent out into the world, on the sports field, in the boardroom, in the classroom, so that by Jesus' power in us and the Holy Spirit, we're not formed by those, those powers. We are helping to form those places according to the very character of Jesus. That's the journey that we're on. Now... But finally, this isn't enough. Here's a warning. We're going to see this lived out. Jesus, he's going to come to heal, but he's going to heal in his terms and in his way and in his timing. He's going to heal in his terms, his way, his timing, and it's about us growing as Jesus leads us forward. All right? So let's pick up where we left off. Verse... uh, 23. All right, so they just, you all know, speak well of him. They say, Isn't this Joseph's son? And then he says to them, verse 23, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, Do here also in your hometown the things that we've heard you did at Capernaum. And he said, Truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, There were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months and there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha and none of them were cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of the town, led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. Now, this interesting interaction here, in a way, you know, the, so Jesus is in his hometown. He's in the place where he was brought up, saying, you know, this has got to start. This kind of transformation has to start at home. It has to start where the, the people know you. But it's in that place at times is where we're most broken. Right? And so he said, that's where we've got to start, the place where we're most broken, where we know us the, the, the most. And they're, they're wanting to hear, oh, isn't that a nice word that you gave, preacher? Thanks, Jesus, you know, aren't you so cute? You know, I remember when you were just this size, right? 
Yeah, and then Jesus goes just right for the jugular here. I mean, he, he, he's not from southern Nazareth, that's for sure. We southerners know how to meander to the point. But he goes right there and he tells them two stories. He tells them two stories about how they, you know, here's the issue. The the people that Jesus are here listening to, to, the people that are listening to Jesus, they don't see themselves as poor or captive or blind or oppressed. And the problem is, if you don't recognize where you're poor, where you're captive, where you're blind and oppressed, you don't need Jesus. Because that's who he came for. Right? And, and, so, and so Jesus is seeing these guys don't get it. They, 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 they think that I came, you know, just to help them sort of keep their gated community. You know, their, their own, own little, you know, God ghetto. And, and, that, and, and so he's he got to explode that. And so he says, no, don't, don't you realize this is what God does now. God, look, look at God and Elijah and Elisha. Look what he did in both of these cases. There was this huge need, huge famine. And does God come to people like you? No. He goes to the Gentiles. He goes to the outcasts. He goes to the ones that are pushed out. Because God is not just your God. God is the God of the world. And, and God comes because we are broken. And Jesus would say, God comes, I've come because you're broken. Because you're poor. Because you're captive. Because you're blind. Because you're oppressed. And the biggest problem right now, Jesus is saying to them, is you don't even see it. As we're walking through the gospel of Luke, and even right now, how are you poor, captive, blind, and oppressed? We've got to name it. See? Every time. It's, it's tough. I promise, I didn't pay them. It, it is the reality that Jesus has come to bring healing, but He's come to bring it in His way, in His time. And that we as church first must recognize how the continual ways that we're poor, the way that we're blind, the way that we're captive, and the ways that we're oppressed, and let Jesus break us loose. And must see as church that it doesn't stop there. Church is that one organization that is not created just for the sole benefit of its members or covenant partners. We are gathered together to be formed by Jesus more into Christ's likeness so that indeed we might be His presence, His forming power in the world outside of us where there is also poverty. Where there is also blindness. Where there is also captivity and oppression. As we gather here in a moment around the table. As we gather at healing stations around. May may this be a time that we allow the spirit of, of Jesus within us to point out the places where we're poor.
Point out out the ways that, that we're blind. Yeah, maybe it's a it is a poverty of humility. Yeah, that that that's that is just good news when Jesus engages with me and man, he shows me. You know, you see how arrogant you are there. And to to show me that then shows me again. Oh, I need you, Jesus. And and the saddest thing is that I've been sharing that for twenty years. That Jesus keeps bringing that up. Or, or the ways that we're blind. Yeah, for, for me, I, I'm blind because I look at the way the world looks at the way. The things that the world calls ugly. I'm so thankful for the ways that, that, that the things the world calls ugly. Jesus shows me periodically how beautiful they are. And how blind I am to what truly is beautiful. So what are the ways that you're blind, that you're poor, that that you're captive, that that you're oppressed? So that you can see that and ask Jesus, come in. Bring your healing in, in your way, in your time. I give myself to you. That's the bold mission of Jesus for all of us. Let's pray. Almighty God, we give ourselves to you. Show us what you've come to heal in us, in our own lives in our own homes, in in our own workplace, in our own communities and neighborhoods, in our own teams, in us. As church, show us what you have come to bring healing in your power, in your mercy, in your boldness. Thank you for the good news. You have given yourself totally and completely in the midst of our brokenness, we pray. Amen.